Hey, everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. Musical edition. Ragtime gal, welcome to the Guild of Films podcast. How y'all doing? If you're here with us, you're gonna listen to a brand new exciting episode. But we're not talking about best pictures, no, we're talking about the musicals. Clap, yay! Thank you. Okay, hello everybody. It is I, Christian, but like I said, yes, we are here at the Gilded Films Podcast to talk about something a little bit different today um, as we go between seasons of our show. So when you last heard, we were talking about, uh, what was it, like 1954 and all the best picture winner, or the best picture winner that year, the nominees, some faves of ours. But we decided right before we get into the newest edition of um, which picture was best, we would do um, a little genre fun thing for you. So we're here today. Brett and I. Hello, Brett. Hello, hello. To talk about musicals, movie musicals. Literally one of my favorite things to talk about. Something that's probably going to make me very angry with some (laughs) of these lists. And I have a lot of opinions on things. But like, you know, like Broadway, we need us a good, we need us a good song and dance backup dancer or something like that. I don't know. So direct from the off-off-off-off-off-Broadway production (laughs) of Rent, but spelled with two Ts because it's non-licensed, please welcome Zay. What? (laughs) I don't understand. I feel a little little attacked. (laughs) That not only my Rent, I am the off-off-off-Broadway spelled incorrectly version. I think you missed an off there, but... Where you play the most important character, the the rent bill. Oh my god. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> the most stunning introduction I could have ever hoped oh, for. God, I'm crying right now. <laughs> anyway, Zay, why are you here? Because y'all asked me to. And you love musicals, don't you? Yeah, sure. I love a good musical. You do. And your opinions matter. So, and I'm not just saying that because I see you give good star ratings to some of my favorites, (laughs) (laughs) but because we love you here. But uh, anyway, Brett, hi, this is going to be interesting, right? This is very sweet so far. I, I'm just wow. Okay, yeah. No, That's this is musical musicals are sweet. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see how these lists go. If there's going to be a lot of crossover or not, I, I'm just yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. So glad we're doing this. All right. Well, oh, what happened? Wait, we're doing a list, right? What happens if we cross over? Are we doing this? Did I jump ahead? I'm so sorry. Oh. 
This is okay. I'm so sorry. You, I'm okay. dumb. I thought you were literally asking. I, <laughs> I was like, we just talked. <laughs> so yes. I'm talking to the audience. Yes. Okay. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, if you listen to our uh, top 10 of 2021 episode, we did something kind of fun so that we weren't just talking about the same movie at different points. We all kind of talk about it together. So like then, if somebody names a musical and somebody else has it on their list, but they haven't said it yet, there's a catchphrase they will use. Um, and we will table that discussion until whoever has it highest on their list. So y'all look out for that. All right. Are we good to go? Oh, yep. am I ready? Act one. Act one. All right. Well, Christian, you're definitely going last with this one. Okay. Because uh, you're, you're definitely our musical person. So I will go ahead and start us off with my number 10. Um, my number 10, one of the more recent ones on the list. It actually just came out last year. It is In the Heights. And so I had to think pretty hard about whether to put this on this list um but it, it did squeak into that number 10 spot maybe it's a little bit of recency bias but i still as i think back on it since i saw it last summer i still really really love it um and it really sits well with me partially because you know this was the movie when we were in year two of this pandemic this felt like the one that was like the big return to theaters for me I'd seen a few movies before in theaters since the pandemic started, but this felt just like big and grand. And now that summer has rolled around again, I find myself like longing to watch this movie again because it feels just like a perfect summer movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, obviously it's the story of um, the people of Washington Heights and some various characters that show up throughout Really strong cast, really great music, of course, if you're into Lin-Manuel Miranda and his style. Um, yeah, I, I think of everything that Lin-Manuel Miranda has been involved with film-wise, this is my favorite. Um, yes, even more so than Hamilton. Um, but no, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> Christian's flipping me the bird right now. But a lot of fun, the musical numbers. And besides all that, despite how fun it is, despite how vibrant it is throughout, there are those emotional moments as well. So it kind of runs the full circle of all the emotions you kind of want to feel when you're watching a musical. So I don't know. I've been thinking about it. We're nearing June. It's the perfect time to like watch this movie again. So I might do that soon. But in the Heights, it's really stuck with me after one year. So that's my number 10. I, I like In the Heights. It's not on my list but it's a good movie. I'm not a huge Lin-Manuel Miranda fan, but I did like the movie. That's fair. I could, I could play race cards if I wanted to right now. Or yeah. <laughs> We've had this conversation many a times. Like little Jeff Gordon trading cards? Were you- <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know how surprised you'd be with this, but I'm going to talk about it in the Heights. So honorable mention here for me. Mm. It just barely made that top 10 for me, though. But I do really love it. I'm, I was actually, okay, obviously I was familiar with it and I've heard some of the songs, but until I saw the movie last year, I had no idea what the basic plot of it was. 
except for it took place over like the course of like a couple days. It was hot outside singing and dancing, but I really loved it. I saw it twice in theaters. The first time was like on a Mother's Day screening and it was sold out. And like Brett said, that was kind of like the return to theaters, the good feeling of like a big crowd. The second time there was maybe 10 of us in the Dolby and that was a huge ass theater. And then these little teenage girls afterwards, when the credits finished rolling, they were like, and I quote, what was Abuela singing about? Like, I don't oh, get yeah. it. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> girl oh. but um no i really like in the heights too i love the music in it and in particular i well i listened to both the the movie and the broadway soundtrack um but olga meredith in this as abuela claudia is like incredible yeah and it's a really good cast too yeah definitely and we, yeah we both talked about it on our 2021 list as did toby so want to hear more go back and take a listen to that and yeah all right, Zay, let's hear your number 10. My number 10. We go back to the year, late, late year of 2001. And let's picture it. It's a band of three young ladies. One is named Josie, and the other two are her pussycats. It is, of course, the film, Josie and the Pussycats. It's a film, and it, I, 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 how I decided my list is I don't think all of mine are going to be all of your standard musicals, but I think this film belongs on this such a list because A, it has bops, it has all the bops. Um, the lady from Letters to Cleo, she does the voice of Josie's singing voice in this. She does a great job. They did their homework. They knew exactly who to get for this. And B, it's just very good Y2K slumber party vibes. You know, you just want to get in your PJs, want to have the girls over, have some mimosas. Cute. It's a cute movie. And... It made like no money in 2001. So we should all put our money toward it now. We should all invest in Josie and the Pussycats so we can have some legacy sequel for it now. We're almost to its 25 year anniversary. And that's, that's it. That's all. I don't. <laughs> I have not seen it. So. Brett. I know. <laughs> I'm a, a misogynist here among us today. <laughs> <laughs> well unlike some i have seen it um and also when i was a kid uh having of course never seen the movie up until it came out on vhs i own the soundtrack to this album so i was very familiar with the songs going into this watched it again like a few years ago fucking loved it okay and then zay like last what was it was it christmas or birthday it was, one, it was one of the two, but you sent me the Blu-ray of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so now I'm in possession of the Blu-ray because this movie was at one time, like, it's kind of hard to find. Mm -hmm. uh, like, my library didn't have it. I, I'm looking, it's not streaming anywhere significant, but um, I really like it. Like, I think it's goofy and wacky and Parker Posey and Alan Cumming are so fucking funny in this, and it's good, and Brett should watch it. And Tara Reid. Tara Reid is 
fucking hilarious. Yeah, and like, where did uh, Rachel Lee? Where did she go? I don't know. Rachel Lee Cook, mm. if you're listening right now, we love <sighs> you and we need you to come back. Right. It's like this is the one movie I know of hers, and everything else is like, who is this girl? Okay, so she was in. She's all that, and then remember when Netflix remade it as He's All That? I guess she shows up. Oh my! Oh, I didn't know that. Fourth Ro- billing. I- Rosario Dawson is also in this movie. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she's listen, she's doing well for herself. She has some issues, but you know. Well, uh, yeah. I did watch the animated show on Boomerang back in the day. If you touched, oh, so, fancy. Ain't we hey, yeah. fancy. Oh, Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera, wow. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to contribute somehow. It's it's much better than the cartoon. It's its own thing. I'm sure. To the point that Archie Comics was like, this is too adult for us. And then made Riverdale like 10 years later. Wow. <laughs> All right, Christian, let's hear your number 10. Anyway, Josie and the Pussycats. It's great. All right. My number 10 is one that uh, when it first came out, everybody was like, God, this is great. And then over time, people are like, Psh, fuck this thing. It's La La Land. Okay. Ooh. Um. Yes. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, oh. <laughs> so does that mean I talk about it now or I wait? You wait, you wait. wait. I wait. Okay. Well, my number 10 is La La Land. Perfect. All right. Well, that'll then take us to my number nine. Um, and so it, this one, a particular type of musical, an animated musical, one of the Disney ones, and it is Beauty and the Beast. 1991. And so I think this is pretty often considered one of the best, if not the best Disney animated movies. Um, I wouldn't put it quite number one on my list. May have another one popping up later. Maybe not. But um, I I do think it's beautiful. We talked about it on our 1991 episode. And it's one of those movies where it's just like, you know, how can you not fall in love with it as the two lead characters are falling in love? And so um, good musical has to have good songs. I think that's very much the case here courtesy of you know angela lansbury and the rest of the cast and um they're you know the only one who that's it the only one who sings she's only one who sings okay okay name names yeah well you know do you know the names off the top of your head i don't angela lansbury jerry orbach david oben styers okay page o'hara bobby benson there we go um but yeah and Besides all that, aside from the the songs, which are great throughout, just the colors. Obviously, it's something that we've grown used to with Disney animated movies, but it feels like this is near the height of that with the colors and how beautiful it all looks and all the different characters throughout the house and beyond. It's just a really beautiful movie that really, really holds up um, after 30 plus years now, which is wild. So Beauty and the Beast, that is my number nine. Okay. I know when I was showing Toby this list, the first thing he said to me was, why is Beauty and the Beast not on your list? Well, I have have a good explanation for it, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. Good explanation. Um, Because the remake is on your list. I get it. Oh, yeah. God damn it. (laughs) Damn you, stop calling here. No. (laughs) So, um, I'll just say it. 
I, I structured this list to kind of be live action only. And with Disney, it was a little bit harder because it's like, if I were to have included Disney in here, it literally been like the top five movies. Mm. Okay. So I will say with honorable mentions, I kind of grouped some of the Disney movies together, but for right now, I'll talk about Beauty and the Beast. And I'll talk about the other ones later, but for Beauty and the Beast, it is a good old, it's literally a good old fashioned musical. And I think I said this with our episode when we did it, but it's Disney saying, Hey, we need to change things around here. Let's literally make a movie look as if it were going to Broadway, which then of course, eventually it did go to Broadway, but for a 90, it's like less than 90 minutes, even too a 90 minute movie that feels mm-hmm. like you're watching a Broadway musical. You're feeling the emotions. Those songs are hitting you. Um, the Howard Ashman and Alan Menken songs. They're just phenomenal. The music, the score, everything. It's structured well. It's beautiful. Like Brett said, I love Beauty and the Beast. I think it's one of the best. It's like my number two or three, something up there of Disney movies. But yeah, that's it. You'll hear more about it though from me in a little bit with honorable mentions. It's also one of the few Disney movies that I legitimately, I don't know if I love, but it's like on the precipice between like and love. Angela Lansbury puts her whole fucking tikusi into that song. <laughs> I bit my tongue. This is true. All yeah, right. Everything you guys said, I agree with. It's, it's a really good, it's an enjoyable Disney film and I like it a lot. Very the remake nice. is an abomination. Yes, oh, it don't. is. Awful. Literally one of the worst I, movies of the last I, decade. I took my sister to see the remake and she talked to my dad after seeing it and she was like, it was a lot better than the cartoon one. Oh. And I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, it's it's awful. God, I will say I'm hoping that Brett's other Disney movie that lands on this list is Home on the Range. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I thought that cow was white. <laughs> oh my god, that's that's. <laughs> People are gonna have to do a lot of Wikipedia to get to connect the dots. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you know, Judy Dench doesn't even remember she was in that movie. Why would she? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, Zay, let's hear your number nine. So my number nine was a good transition because we just did an animated. And Christian's last one was La La Land. And oh. my, my last one was Josie and the Pussy Cats. This is Cats Don't Dance from yeah. 1997. Yes. yes. It's, it's a musical I grew up with. All of the songs are banging. Randy Newman wrote them. He was at his peak power. He was on that Toy Story money. He said, I can do anything. (laughs) Um, But basically, it's the story of animal actors in Hollywood and how they get the short shrift on everything and they're getting treated like shit, even though they're just as talented, if not more talented than the humans. And Darla Dimple is a weird, like Shirley Temple-esque villain not really based on Shirley Temple because I don't think she was a, she was she was abused so I don't think they were like saying Shirley Temple was a villain but it's funny because it's a child actor who is the literal devil. Um, I am an angel. <laughs> um, also, Danny is from Kokomo, Indiana. I've been to Kokomo, Indiana. Um, I'm from Indiana. If that helps. 
Um, but when I was a kid, I thought that was the coolest thing because I'm like, oh, people are from Indiana. <laughs> they don't just stay here forever. Um, but yeah, and then uh, great cast. We've got Natalie Cole doing the singing voice of one of the cats. Uh, Sawyer, Don Knotts plays a turtle. Um, look up all the songs on YouTube because you can't find it on Spotify. No matter how much I ask, I at Spotify like once a year asking them to put it on and Warner Brothers music. Anyway, it's very good. It was it was one of those straight to video things. And it, was it straight to video? No, no, it was. It, had, it, oh. it was in theaters. It had a very small run, and then it became a huge hit on VHS. Sorry, that's where I All saw right. it. I saw it on VHS. Mm-hmm. As did I. Um, but yeah, and originally it was supposed to be a Michael Jackson vehicle. It was supposed to be like live action and animated, but he pulled out. And it was the last movie Gene Kelly worked on. Oh, that's he, right. He collaborated on it for the choreography in the movie. Yeah, cats don't dance. Um, I think you and I kind of bonded early in the beginning because you like figured out that I had seen this movie and I really loved it. I think that sounds like, right. Yeah, but no, I love it. And fun fact, it won the Annie Award for Best Animated Feature that year. As it should have. Oh, beating out Hercules. I was and gonna say it's Jam. Yeah. yeah. But it is really good. Um, sometimes Zay and I, when we're texting, we will quote from this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then you did like a drag performance of it mm-hmm. like two years ago. I remember mm-hmm. that. It was like beginning yeah. of quarantine. Facebook I was like, yep. <laughs> I'll yeah. go Facebook Live with this. But it's a really good movie, y'all. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's a, it's one of the, I don't know, I would call it obscure only because not a lot of people have seen it. And I think it, it's for like very specific generation. Yeah. Yeah. But it yeah. gives it gives such a good like it's that old fashioned musical feeling to it too. Mm-hmm. It takes place nineteen thirty nine. Oh so yeah, there's like you. a ton of references. I mean, it doesn't work because then you see like Gone with the Wind premiered, but then like they're still filming it, and I'm like, <laughs> it's fine. It's a cartoon. It's cute. Yeah, I need to watch it soon. I I uh, remember renting it when I was little from the grocery store back when you rented vhs tapes from grocery stores oh i remember that and yeah <laughs> i yeah multiple times i remember really loving it when i was when i was a kid but haven't seen it since then so i have a kindergarten all about me poster that says what do i want to do when i grow up and it said work at the video grocery store <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> hey but you know i like that you had like small ambitions because you know <laughs> You could do that. Well, not anymore, but at the time it seemed feasible. Well, and then in high school, like my locker doubled as a red box because people borrowed movies from me. <laughs> oh, wow. You were very trusting. I didn't trust people that let them borrow my movies. All right, Christian, let's hear your number nine. nine. Okay. <clears throat> well, this ain't on both of your lists because one of you hasn't seen it and one of you hates it. So it's... <laughs> It's 2005's The Producers. Oh. I don't a, hate it. <laughs> a movie I have logged on Letterboxd 10 times because I watch it every single year. Okay. It is essentially somewhat of a remake of the original one, but it's more a straight, like literally straight adaptation of the like stage musical that Mel Brooks 
and team created in like 2001. Um, it's not directed by him. It's directed by Susan Stroman, who directed the stage production. But literally, like, almost everybody's back. Like Nathan Lane, Matthew Broderick, um, Zay's favorite actor. Uh, and then you have like Will Ferrell and Uma Thurman because, you know, we got to bring in the star power or whatever. But it's funny. It's hilarious. It's like my brand of humor. The songs are bangers. I watched it probably when I was way too young. And I can tell you the exact time I watched it. Um, I couldn't tell you when Night at the Museum came out. But when it came out in 2006, five, six, six, it was 2006. Um, we saw it the second or third weekend. It was a Saturday. I was waiting for my parents to come downstairs to go see it. And the producers premiered on HBO. And I sat and I watched it. And I got all the way to when they're like, you know, keep it gay, keep it gay. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Recorded the rest of it, watched it religiously. And thus became like the first, yes, the first entire film that I could memorize by heart. So I love it. It means a lot to me. I don't know. It's weird that way, but that's it. That's the producers. I fucking love it. I will have you know, I gave it a three and a half star rating on Letterboxd and you liked the review. <laughs> Too low. I'm being courteous. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's good. I, I like it more than the general public does. You should hear all the people I've heard say they don't like it. I like it. I don't know why. It's like, it's 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 literally, yes, it feels like you're watching a stage production of it, but it's so funny and it's lighthearted. And like, you know, mm-hmm. Springtime for Hitler is so fucking good. The song, not like the concept. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For- <laughs> yeah, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> now i haven't seen it. it was on my short list and it was probably going to be the next one i watched um so then why are we here why I, are we recording I know, this? I know i know i beg if it, you if it does end up making my list when i do watch it i will like announce it at the beginning of that next episode and it's so, so delightful know. and i just listened to mel brooks entire audiobook mm-hmm. i just like the creation of this he never he, he doesn't talk about the movie at all but <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. All right. So, no, no, no. So, so far, what me and Christian have brought to the table, other than the one that's already on Brett's list, Brett has nothing to talk. I just think it's funny. Technically, I have seen Cast Don't Dance. But you're right. I couldn't But I do remember when so. we talked about it once and you're like, I haven't seen that for years. I'll put that on my watch list. And it's been there ever it's, since. It's still on my watch list. That's because I never look at my watch list on Letterboxd. Yeah. If you've technically but. if you've technically seen it, sing me a song. <laughs> when I was three, you actually probably do remember songs that you hear for the first time in your three. So that's probably not a good excuse. But I absolutely <laughs> do remember. They like loud. <laughs> All right. I'm going on to my number eight. <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one might be on someone else's list. I'm not sure. It is the most recent addition to my list, and it is All That Jazz. All right. Oh, shit. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, damn it. Talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about that one. (laughs) All right. All that jazz, jazz, Bob Fosse, 1979. Um, Watched it in preparation for this podcast. 
Uh, we talked about Fosse's earlier work, uh, Cabaret, in the 1972 episode. Really liked that one, but really loved this one. Um, you know, it is a semi-autobiographical film for Fosse, and a lot of times those can those can be really hit or miss. You know, they could be really thoughtful and heartfelt, or they could be like really pretentious. Um, and to me, this one was one super creative and the way he decided to like inject himself into this fictional character, but also it just felt very, very honest to me. Um, the lead character played by Roy Scheider, Joe Gideon is an asshole, but obviously super talented and he's really going through it. And it just feels it's a really complex character. He's definitely not perfect. He's not completely awful. He's somewhere in between, which makes him feel really, really human. Um, and I just, his journey is so fascinating. A lot of it is him working on this production, this stage musical, while also editing a film and just really getting into the anxieties that come about from that. Um, a lot of this film, I was like watching in like quite a ways in, I was like, I thought this was a musical. Like it doesn't, it's not really like a traditional musical until it gets kind of near the end and then it just fully descends into it and it's brilliant the musical numbers that like close the film are amazing and then it ends on one of the most like striking great shots that i've ever seen in a movie and so unexpected um but yeah roy scheider is terrific jessica lang has a really interesting role as angelique um kind of like the an angel of death type character which is really fascinating, but it's beautiful. The The musical numbers are like really well staged and the costumes are great. And I just found it in some ways really like relatable. I think, I think a lot of artists could see this as relatable to see this character who is really facing so many stresses and anxieties about his work. Um, like I said, it just, it just feels really honest and authentic to me. And I obviously loved it on my first viewing. So it's great. I'm so glad you watched it. I'm so mad I forgot about it. <laughs> like, but I love it. Let's just say here's where I would put it for right now. Okay. Um, when I first watched this, though, I have a weird history with this because when I first watched it, I hated it because I didn't understand it. The second time I watched it, I like really, really loved it, fell in love with it, wanted to buy it. And then Criterion was like, well, we're going to put it out on Criterion. And I bought that, loved it. The musical numbers, you're right. They're all great. The hospital scene um with the songs like after you're gone and lo i love that i love that entire sequence the all the women get their little song and dance number as he's trying to like cope with death and everything and what will happen to him and it's 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 great um and then I'm, i know we're not delving into like the best pictures or whatever but like that year of 1979 sorry but you have kramer versus kramer a, you know, a well-made film. You have like considered one of the best war movies, Apocalypse Now. You have Breaking Away. You have Norma Ray, mm, Little Miss yeah. Union, and you have all that jazz. Like I'm looking at my personal list. I don't know if we're doing, I don't think we're doing 79 for next episode, but all that jazz wins for me. Like, I love this film that much. And Fosse, like, this is his story. I told you a little bit about it. I don't know if you're listening to me, about what it was, like the creation of both Chicago and Lenny at the same time, which mm -hmm. people will like look that up and stuff. But no, it's, it's fucking fantastic. And this is like, 
Fosse didn't make a whole lot of movies. I I do agree. This is my favorite more than Cabaret. Yeah. So, but all that jazz is just fucking terrific. I also really love all that jazz. It almost, I don't know if it was going to go in my top 10, but it was like in the precipice and I was, it was in consideration. And then I was like, I bet Christian's going to bring it up. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) So it's a good thing. It's getting its good airtime. But yeah, I watched this. I think Christian told me to watch it a long time ago when we first met. And it was either one of those things where I tried to watch it and I just had other things cloudy in my mind or whatever but i made it my first official watch in 2020 really loved it i would love to revisit it because it's such a great film everything brett said and more um very few films just look like the essence of cocaine and i love it well there you go <laughs> i think it'd make a really good double feature with tick tick boom too so it if, would if, yeah hmm. so all right zayla tier number eight well Speaking of Tick Tick Boom, <laughs> no, but another great transition because you brought up the year 1979. And you know what was the best picture nominee for 1979? Norma Ray. And you know who won an Oscar for Norma Ray? It was Sally Field. But you know who she was in competition against? Bette Midler in my number eight, The Rose. Tom Love. <laughs> um, so this was one of the movies where I was like, I think this is in my top 10 but i literally rewatched it last night to make sure and i am correct oh is that uh, why you watched it i saw that review yeah <laughs> anyway um because i've only seen it once and it's always like stuck in the back of my head and then i even bought the criterion and i'm like well i need to use this criterion so i watched it um so it's the rose starring bet midler and directed by mark rydell uh director of previous episode on golden bond um he and this is a movie where bet midler plays the titular the rose um it's kind of inspired by the story of janice joplin um but it was originally a janice joplin story but bet midler said she would not want to do a movie directly based on janice joplin um and it's basically about this the singer who's like rising really fast becoming super popular she's super talented she has a really rock hard edge to her that everyone's like connecting to however we're seeing a lot in like the business management that they are pushing her really fucking hard and she just can't take it and she's like succumbing to her addictions to alcohol and then that leads to her succumbing to hard drugs and it's kind of the watching her like spiral down even though she's still trying to be the rose to not let any other people down including herself the person who had the dream in the first place and um i think bet midler gives one of the greatest musical performances of all time she's live singing throughout this thing and it's an it's insane it's some like it's not exactly a bet midler role compared to the ones you think of because she's not really giving any sort of camp in my opinion except in the drag queen scene that was one of my favorite scenes because it's like some levity in this movie because it's pretty bleak otherwise but um yeah i 
it's a role that like made her a movie star, but she didn't really do another role like this. And I think that's what I really appreciate about the Rose. And the fact that knowing some of the personal stuff, she definitely could have used some of that to enhance her performance. I'll go because I know what Brett's going to say. Um, this, is a, <laughs> this is a great film. And Bette Midler is like my personal winner for that year. Like she's fantastic in this. Yeah, she's really fantastic in this. It's very Star is Born-esque, except a lot more, the 2018 version, but obviously, but a lot more grittier as fuck. Um, but uh, the biggest thing I can always get from this is that Family Guy sings the rose on a car trip. And they're like, let's sing a car song and stuff. And Peter's like, some say love, it is a river, or whatever it is. And they all sing it, and it's so beautiful. That's my first introduction to this movie. So, See, mine was a movie you have a great disdain for, Napoleon Dynamite. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Quote Patti Lapone, who do you think you are? <laughs> no, I... Uh... Yeah, I. N- neither of you have mentioned this movie, I don't think, to me before. So yeah, but I'm I haven't heard much about it. I, but I've always been kind of interested because I knew it was kind of based on Janis Joplin. Um, I didn't know that Midler like specifically said I didn't want it didn't want it to be a straight biopic and like respect Bette Midler. So I didn't actually know this until I like listened to one of her interviews that's on the disc. That's oh, cool. I had that idea of it. Because they've always had issues making a Janis Joplin biopic. They make a long-running joke on 30 Rock about it. Um, so I, I wondered what that was. But then I, yeah. I like that they did because, like, within a decade of her dying. Yeah. So that would have been weird anyway. All right. Christian, let's hear your number eight. And nine, eight. Okay. Sorry, me and Eminem here. My number eight is Little Shop of Horrors from 1986. Anybody? My God, you. Okay, listen, listen, Where listen, you... listen. Well, first, where were you two on January 6th? Okay. <laughs> I was watching Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> I don't know if I forgot it or. Because I'm looking at my list. I'm like, why is it on my list okay yeah we'll just we'll do yeah the last time i watched i have a theory it, about that but i'll bring it up later. the last time i watched this you said i haven't seen it since high school <laughs> so are you talking to me yes that's not true i didn't wow. see it i didn't see it until college well go figure it out anyway <laughs> little shop of horse based on the off-broadway production of the same name written I by the what? That's what Ch- I was talking about. Chicago. Oh, Little Shop of Horrors. Anyway, Little Shop of Horrors. Sorry. <laughs> Written by the same composers, Helen, Helen, Alan Lincoln, <laughs> and Howard Ashman, who wrote The Little Mermaid. This was sort of their prototype, really, for The Little Mermaid and then Beauty and the Beast. Um, to create a very structured musical on having like the once song, having a romance song, and then having like this big conflict of a man eating plant who can also sing. I think it's great. I love this musical. I love the songs in it. I especially love just the once songs. 
um, of somewhere that's green and Skid Row and suddenly Seymour. And if they remake this, God forbid, they won't have open casting calls, but I will, I'll cut a bitch to be Seymour in a film adaptation of this. You know, I want to be Seymour, but I love it. I think it's funny. It's great. It's on HBO. Please watch it. It's just great. And I have bad memories of like wanting to audition for this show in high school because I was like, I'm going to be Seymour. But then the director, of course, had his favorite who was always in his production. So there was no audition process to it. So whatever. But, you know, I can dream. Yeah, well, I, I just watched it. Um, I begged you. From Christian. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. I agree. It's very funny. The puppetry is fantastic, obviously, with Audrey too. And um, my theory for why it may not be on Zay's top 10, just because I saw Zay's review, and one of the things I agree with is that I think the original ending that they cut of the film is better than the one that ended up in the movie. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong there. But... I don't downgrade a ton for that, but I just just saying like, look up the original ending on YouTube after you watch it and see what you think. Cause I think it's, it's a bit superior, but still really good. I like the songs that the chorus sings. I like the chorus a lot. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I honestly, Brett, I don't think that really downgraded the movie in my opinion. Um, I don't think the ending has that much impact in my opinion. At, in my overall high I just don't know why it's on this list it's kind of confounding to me that I decided that but whatever we, we're talking about it now and I get to say I love it a lot even though Christian is making up some weird mythos for me now because um, <laughs> I, I uh, watched it just last Halloween Oh, did you really? Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm telling you, I was texting you about Chicago I haven't seen since high school. Oh, I don't know. It all runs together. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I love it a lot. I mean, of course, the puppetry is amazing. Directed by Miss Piggy himself, Frank Oz. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's one of the, it is a perfect cast because... Oh fuck! The actress she came straight from the 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 musical stage. Ellen Green. Ellen Green, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm glad. Whatever. Maybe the best part of the pandemic was making sure that mute that remake did not come to fruition. Yeah, I've heard that it was going to be at one point Lady Gaga, but now the rumor is like Scarlett Johansson. And I'm like, dear God. <laughs> and and Taryn Edgerton, which I'm like, I love Taryn, but that's not a good fit. That's also the thing with um, current, see, I have a lot of beef with this musical in terms of casting for certain things because it's currently playing off Broadway right now. And I've read some criticism that the one thing it does not get right when it translates to the stage anymore is it never cast a nerdy guy. Mm, Like when it was first off Broadway, nerdy guy, Rick Moranis, nerdy guy. Yeah, makes sense. Nowadays, Nowadays, they're all like hunky actors. Like, Sky, I don't know if you know who Skylar Aston is. Mm-hmm. Vaguely. Okay. But he is currently the Seymour on the Off-Broadway. Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff mm-hmm. opened it on Off-Broadway. These are not nerdy people. Taryn Edgerton. Yeah, that makes no sense. On. But I heard MJ Rodriguez was great, and I would love to see her take on the role. 
that's okay that the one time i will watch the james corden show is to rewatch the performance yes that, that was so good that performance of mj rodriguez and i think his name is george salazar did for suddenly seymour that's fucking lit okay now that's good casting also interesting casting family guy does a whole song on this one too <laughs> No, it's not, we haven't had a single Golden Girls reference this episode, but we've had two Family Guy ones. We're we're getting to there, okay? I'll get you a couple. <laughs> All right. Well, my number seven is admittedly another Disney movie, but it's not animated. It is 1964's Mary Poppins. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Wait, actually. Wait, what number are you on? Uh, seven. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Hey, let's just talk let's about just, it. Yeah, it's, there we it's go. It's my number seven. Perfect. Well, this is perfect because we, we've we talked about this. We talked about it on the 1964 episode. Both loved it, obviously. I think we both agreed. I know we both agreed. Right? Did you say it should have yeah. won Best Picture? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, should have won Best Picture that year. Um, I, I think it's just a beautiful movie. Like the cinematography is stunning. I think it's like some of the most underrated cinematography ever that I've seen. Um, and, and so different throughout. Cause obviously you've got the scenes in like the animated world. You've got like the daytime and London scenes. And then you've got like the shots at night of the sweepers and of um, Mr. Banks, like walking through the shadows. It's just a really beautiful movie. And of course, the beating heart of it all is Julie Andrews, um, one of the greatest performances ever, who just like completely encapsulates this character that in a way that nobody else could. Um, but obviously the, the supporting cast is great too. Dick Van Dyke, David Tomlinson, um, the two kids, Matthew Garber and Karen, Do- how do you say her last name? Dotrice, Dotrice? I don't know, but they're all great. Um, and of course, the songs are just a lot of fun. I, you know, even if you haven't seen the movie, you've probably heard them somewhere before. And I don't know. I, when I saw it when I was younger, I over time kind of like forgot just how great it was. And so watching it last year when we talked about it, just a real joy because I, I think it's pretty tremendous, obviously. You know, the best time to watch, and I agree with everything you said, the best thing, the best time to watch this film for me is always during the like Christmas time when I have the Christmas tree on, because that's like the only time I've ever really seen this. And just like the lights that Mm. we have going with this movie, and it's nice and warm in the house. It's one of those warm feeling movies. Like it's joyful in every regards, because it starts out really as like, oh, you think this is going to be a fun little kitty movie and stuff. But then it turns into like, this is fun for the whole family to like, wait a minute, this is beautiful. Like, what's (laughs) going on? So... But no, Mary Poppins is like top tier, superb, should have, we already talked about it, should have won. Um, but I think it's the perfect, yeah, to me, yeah, it's the perfect live action Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. I also really love Mary Poppins. Um, I think it's on my honorable mentions. I don't know, my honorable mentions list is a little long too, but very much love it. I uh, try not to think of saving Mr. Banks while watching it. 
because wow, did any movie ever try to ruin the reputation of a movie I loved before? Um, but yeah, great. Julie Andrews, perfect. Even like the even like Mary Poppins Returns a little. I, have I not, like Mary Poppins Returns. I Me haven't too. like rewatched it, but when I watched it, it was something I needed at the time. So I appreciate it for that. Right. I like it too. Must you must you always be so cheerful, you empty-headed Mary Poppins knockoff? <laughs> and there is your golden filter. Thank you. Okay. All right. Go for it. Well, my number seven, I don't have any uh, transition this time. I'm you didn't give me anything. Uh, so it's not my fault. Um, my number seven is by one of my favorite filmmakers from 1998. It is the film Velvet Goldmine, um, by the directed by the great Todd Haynes. Um, so it's basically a biopic about a fake glam rock star. Though, if you look, it's pretty obvious he's mostly talking about David Bowie, with some mix of Iggy Pop in there and some other T Rex, Markle, and all that. Um, but named Brian Slade. Um, and it's basically like he disappeared. What happened to him? I don't know. Well, let's look at all these things he did to change music forever. Um, and it stars Ewan McGregor as um, Kurt Wilde. And I believe, hold on. Uh, and yeah, Tony Collette's in it. It's just. A celebration of that age of music, but also a criticism of the artists who were popular then. And then once the 80s came, they kind of sold out to Ronald Reagan friendly pop music. And I think that's a very interesting thing for Todd Haynes mm -hmm. to do with this film after David Bowie and his. Uh, a state where like you cannot make a movie about us because a we will not give you the music rights and b we will sue you so it's a great movie i love it you see ewan mcgregor's penis in it um oh so many wonderful colors it's just a very richly feast of the eyes and the great thing is they made their own soundtrack to the film and it all sounds like music that could have come out in the 70s along with some covers and whatnot. I've never seen it. Well, it's not just me this time. I, I, was, I, so, I, I, I was waiting for Brett to be like, well, I... <laughs> I, I low-key hope we get through your entire list without me having seen one, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I know there's one you've seen now. Okay. Uh, but I am looking on IMDb and this movie has some amazing hair. I mean, great wow. hair, beautiful hair. Yeah. So much craft went into this musical and I, it's, it's not your standard musical, of course, but it works. It works just as well as any other musical would. Very nice. It sounds really good. I definitely recommend it. I don't, I think the DVD is still okay available, but it's not something that, is it on streaming? No. Nothing I can see. Nope. Can't even rent it. 
All right, kids, pirate it. (laughs) All right. Well, I am very sure that Christian is going to have this one as well. Uh, My number six here. Um, It's actually a tie. And I never do ties on these lists, but I absolutely had to this time uh, because it is both versions of West Side Story. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. All right. Zay, we're going right back to you. Let's hear your number six. My number six is from the year of our Lord, 1984. It is Purple Rain. I thought you were going to say Amadeus. (laughs) Sorry. It's the better musician biopic. (laughs) (laughs) The Slander. No. I will agree Amadeus is a better movie. Prince is the better musician. (gasps) (laughs) I I I actually couldn't tell you any of Mozart's songs by heart. (laughs) Exactly. We all know Purple Rain. I really thought you were about to come defend Mozart for a second there. (laughs) I was like ready for it. (laughs) Anyway, Purple Rain. A fucking phenomenon when it came out. One of the greatest movie soundtracks of all time. Um, It's when you get into the plot of the movie where you're like, none of this really makes sense. How old is Prince (laughs) supposed to be? Um, Why does, what's his name, keep coming in and doing slapstick? Uh, Morris Day. (laughs) Um, It's a little misogynistic, but the music is so fucking good that I forgive all of that. And Prince is so charismatic and so sexy. I forgive all of that. It's just so iconic. Like, it's Purple Rain. I don't know what else to say. It's like the definition of like the MTV music video film musical. There, uh, I've I've seen it. I don't remember it at all. So I definitely need a rewatch. But there's a Golden Girls. I there is a secret Golden Girls reference that Sophia <laughs> Sophia in one episode sings Purple Rain, but in subsequent airings and Hulu they cut it because of copyright things. But you'll know when she's doing it because she has her little Walkman on and she's jamming out like this. And that's when she's singing it. But I've seen it before. But they cut it. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. Right, we're five it's, for five. It's one of the it's one of the the more bad blind spots for me. But I can agree that the soundtrack is amazing. I have listened to the soundtrack, listened to the album. Oh, they have it's, that. it's amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. Did you so. did you like uh did you like Jada Essence Hall as Prince? That was so funny because it did not. <laughs> It was not friends, but even they called it. They were like, that's why it's funny. (laughs) So she just went with it. All right, Christian, let's hear your number six. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, my number six is from the year of our Lord, 1953. And it is the, as people sometimes will say, the second greatest MGM musical ever made, The Bandwagon. You motherfuckers. Okay. Okay, it's The Bandwagon, directed by Vincent Minnelli, starring Fred Astaire and Sid Charisse. Um, 
it's just basically the making of a comeback in terms of a musical and it's great it's joyous the songs are terrific that this is where you get the song that's entertainment which is like a really big like moment um in terms of like hollywood and musicals i mean there's a whole damn franchise centered around this song alone but i think what really makes it for me is the production numbers for a lot of the stuff and just the look of Sid Charisse and Fred Astaire dancing with another. Like he's, you know, old and wrinkly over here. And she's like the young ingenue, so fucking beautiful. And the legs, look at the poster of the bandwagon. It's so delightful. The first time that I ever saw it, it was again during like Christmas time on TCM. I have actually, I have not seen this in a while, um, but it is on my list because it still sticks with me. I think it, like I said, the second best musical that MGM made that's somebody else's opinion, but that's what I've heard before. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely up there top tier anyway, but it's, I think if you like something like singing in the rain, the sound of music, what have you, you're going to fucking love this, love this, but that is the bandwagon. And I know you two have both seen this. Yeah. Um, watched it for this podcast is one that Christian put on my list. Um, it is an honorable mention for me. Um, I did love it. Yeah. And yeah, completely agree. If you like singing in the rain, you know, those types of musicals, this is going to be right up here. Alley, the actual, like, like the actual show that they put on just looks amazing. Um, and like those musical numbers, the triplets is so funny. Like I was surprised at just how much I was laughing at that. And then, um, yeah, I, it, it's just, it's a lot of fun and yeah. Really enjoyed it. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know when Brett is done. <laughs> he doesn't say very good, very nice. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I'm sorry. My five second pause is not good enough for you. <laughs> oh, that was mean. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's a movie I also really like. Um, I enjoy it's one of those movies that every now and again you'll just see a clip from it and you're just like yeah that's why people are still talking about this it's so excellently made um I haven't seen it in a did I I don't remember the last time I watched it but it's something I really like um not to the point that I could put it on my top 10 but it is in my honorable mentions also because I knew Christian would bring it up thank you <laughs> All right. Well, my number five is Christian's number 10. I believe it's your number 10. Yeah. La La Land. Yes. So another one we've talked about on the podcast, um, all three of us actually. So yeah, I, I love La La Lands, you know, like Christian said, it's one that has an interesting reputation. It seemed like it came out and a lot of people loved it. And now it seems like a lot of people hate it. Um, I, you know, I, it has its issues, obviously. Um, we've talked about those, but I just, I get so swept up in it. I think it's just so just nice and looks lovely and is so cinematic. Um, I just love what, you know, how Chazelle shot the musical sequences, especially, um, the opening number, another day of sun. It's just shot so well. The romance at the center is so interesting, especially in the way it ends. It just, it leaves me feeling really happy. Um, despite how things go along the way. And I, I love the music. The score is 
every bit as good, if not better than the actual songs. Um, and just the imagery of kind of like that blue, that like bluish purple background looking over Hollywood and Los Angeles. Like it's just, it, it's cool. It, it does feel like a classical type of musical for the modern era. So I, I still love it. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. And I really love it too. I think it's, I, I hate that its reputation has, it's still, I don't know, it still feels like Moonlight versus La La Land, but it's like, there's stopped that. That was so long ago. Like, let these two things be their own yeah. thing, you know? I get it kind of did for like a couple minutes, but like the way people talk about it, you would think it won Best Picture over right. Moonlight. And, you know, but I don't know. I obviously still love it. So whatever. I think only the only thing I can think of is the great just like fervor of everyone was like, you have to see this, you have to see this, you have to see this. Best movie of the year, best movie of the year, best movie of the year. Everyone was just hyping it up to great, great standards that even like at one point that movie just cannot reach. Mm, and, yeah. And yeah. other things, you know. People just want to be cynical or people just want to be like trying to be smarter than the popular thing. It's whatever. I mean, that's just how people are. That's I'm starting to see that conversation about everything everywhere all at once now. So mm-hmm. yep. It's just how people are gonna be. Um, but yeah, I mean I talked about it with y'all. I like the movie a lot. It has very good highs and it also has just a couple lows that hold it back for me, but I still really enjoy it. Yeah, I think it was like you bring up a good point because like it grossed a lot of money like it was a hit and it was like I don't know it's kind of a cool return because like it's it's original it's not based on anything it's not a Disney movie um, I don't know it, it was kind of interesting anomaly that way so all right Zay let's hear your number five My number five uh, let's see here from 1968. It's about two, uh, four, four little fellows. Um, they were very popular in popular music. They had their own little band and they had their own TV show. And they were not the Beatles, they were in fact the Monkees. And they had a music, music film called Head, where it was kind of a brilliant piece of new Hollywood where it was a script written by Jack Nicholson on an unimaginable number of drugs and using what, so the history of the monkeys was they were seen as very artificial, very much here's our answer to the Beatles. We can make a lot of money off you guys too. And they did. But of course the monkeys were real guys and they were people actually interested in making music. Even though their label at first was like, no, you don't need to play your own instruments. That's fine. We can do all that work for you. And they got a lot of flack for that. And then they were like, well, it's not our fault. Um, So this was them kind of like turning a corner on their image and being very self-aware of this artificiality. And it's a very like surreal, like psychedelic uh, film. 
that psychedelic is very much a genre we don't have anymore i realized when watching it and i'm like there's a lot more drugs now drugs are more legal now let's bring back drug movies i have a lot of fun i'm sober during them so i think they can sell pretty well in my opinion but um it was yeah it was basically them saying we're no longer that boy band who had a popular tv show we're doing serious things now but we're not really going to take ourselves that seriously we're just not for boys who have no talent and they just made something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but they do a lot of neat things and they make a lot of funny jokes and that's all i need out of it um and the music's good it was like their first like critically uh beloved album yeah that's head i've never seen it it sounds awesome though like it's on youtube like, legitimately because... that sounds amazing <laughs> it sounds on... like a, it sounds like a brett movie it does <laughs> <laughs> it's on youtube because it's another movie where they just can't figure out streaming i guess and the only like you have to buy like that blu-ray set from criterion that has like 10 other movies oh. on it so it's so expensive all right christian let's hear your number five okay my number five is a film that <laughs> i didn't know how i wanted to say this without sounding insensitive so i'm not going to say <laughs> the insensitive joke that i came up with i okay a movie in which brett called too long too fiddlery too roofy the film, of course, is Fiddler on the Roof, <laughs> 1971. There was going to be something way more bad. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. So, yeah, Fiddler on the Roof. I, I like I love all of these things. This one means a lot to me because it is the one time Christian's ever been on stage in my eighth grade production of Fiddler on the Roof. I know. Right. I'm like Barbara Streisand. We both do Funny Girl. You'd never see us on the stage of New York yet. Okay, I was Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof. This movie is three hours long. I watched this movie from January through May every single Friday to get into the character, to memorize the words, to memorize the songs. And by God, my performance was called good. Okay, I couldn't really hear him. <laughs> no, no laughter from the audience. Okay. Zay's on their phone, just like, ah, oh, God, I guess I'll laugh. Nope, nope, I don't want to hear it. Anyway, the film is fucking phenomenal. It's, I mean, it gives you the feeling of the stage production of Fiddler on the Roof, where you have all these fun and fanciful songs at the first half of the film. And then in the second half, it gets very gloomy and very depressing. Brett was very afraid to watch it um, because he said it was too long. It's not, it goes by in a flash. I mean, you will have the best time of your life the first half of the movie the second half of the movie you're gonna be like damn so but um it's great and topol as tevia is like that i like you know there's a lot of casting choices with him versus zero mostel but topol is just so phenomenal as tevia the main character in this and it's a i don't know i i couldn't praise it enough it's a fucking great film I'm not even going to try to defend myself. Yeah, I, I totally said it looks too long. I'm not going to watch it. I didn't realize you loved it that much. I mean, like, 
you mentioned that you really liked it. I didn't realize it was like number four level. That's okay. Five. My bad. Number five. Sorry. Number five. My <laughs> bad. But it's a movie I also really love. And Brad, as a person that doesn't like long movies, I really like it. Okay. I don't think it, it does not feel long. I agree with Christian. All right. Uh, the Golden Girls has two references to Fiddle on the Roof. One is there's an episode that they have called Fiddler on the Ropes, which is about a boxer. And the second, the Arthur was in the original Broadway production of Fiddler on the Roof. And she, in one scene where Rose is like, my cousin is coming in for the second annual or the second annual hog expo. Dorothy goes, is it the second annual already? Sunrise, sunset, sunset. Oh, and there's also the, uh, oh, there's a scene when Blanche is coming in and she's like, I'm a cowgirl, yippee I okay And she's like, I'm going out with a real cowboy. And Dorothy's like, Maury Fishbine is a cowboy. Cause you know, and then she's like, you'll miss the table stomping version of sunrise sunset. Oh my God. The Golden Girls Encyclopedia. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna text Brett what I was originally gonna say. Yeah, please so do. Don't repeat I'm it. Very, out. I'm very interested. I know what it is. No, you don't. I won't say it out loud. Oh my god. <laughs> but definitely look, eventually we're gonna get to 71. Okay. Yep. Let me just give you a little hint about 71. 71 fucking sucks, okay? <laughs> if you look at my list of movies, it's limited to like Fiddle on the Roof and Willy Wonka. Mm. And is Harold and Maude 70 or 71? 71. It's Harold and Maude. There's like three movies. Oh boy. Do with that as you will. Looking forward to that one. All right. Well, my number four is one that, Going back to La La Land, it was very unfairly contrasted against when it came out. One of many. Uh, it is Singing in the Rain. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. All right. Zayla, to your number four. Which I'm actually surprised yours is number four. <laughs> too high or too low? Okay. Too low, I would think. Oh, okay. Mm. Do you want to hear? Okay. I did not put it on my top 10 because I put a personal thing for me where I was like, I'm not putting something that ubiquitous on there. Mm. And I have a feeling there's at least one other that's on at least one of the other lists that I did not put on because of that same ruling. I think I know what you're thinking about. Yeah. What does ubiquitous mean? (laughs) You know, just like universally beloved okay agreed upon I, being a classic i'm an elementary teacher we don't <laughs> words. anyone asks you for a 15 dollar word you're just like go look it up on your phone <laughs> anyway so uh for my number four all i have to say is uh love is a many splendid thing all you need is love um, because my number two th- for 2001 for my number four is Moulin Rouge. Ooh. Christian, why do you look surprised? I'm just... <laughs> no, I'm just like, I don't, hear it. I don't, I don't know. Every time I, I, I don't know why I look to Christian for his response, no matter what anything is. I love the movie. 
there's a whole episode about it. <laughs> but yeah, Moulin Rouge, one of my, I've come to realize is one of my all time favorite movies. Um, this is perfect. It's like, I love the maximalist that Baz Luhrmann is. He wants to put everything in a movie as if it's the last movie he's ever going to make. And this was probably his most successful with that. I mean, this got all the way to a Best Picture nomination. I don't see the Elvis movie doing that, but I think in a perfect universe it will because I'm already counting on me loving the Elvis movie more than everyone else. Um, but anyway, this is Moulin Rouge. Again, we have Ewan McGregor and my lovely wife, Nicole Kidman. Um, just in a fantastic, just feast upon the eyes, tuberculosis ridden, <laughs> just, is it, it counts as like a jukebox musical. Because it's all, it's like mostly covers, but they're all, well, I guess that doesn't make sense literally because it was a musical that was made. Yeah, it's a jukebox musical. Um, so yeah, it's just a movie I first saw in high school and I was like, wow, this is pretty good. This is what movies can do. That's pretty neat. And more times I watch it, I like go back and forth, I think for a little bit because I was just like, but should movies do this? And then finally, I'm like, yeah, fucking movie should do this. It's just very, I think what people don't, uh, I try to figure out what people don't like about this movie, because I think this is one of those movies you either really like it or you just flat out hate it. And I think it's just so sincere with all of its emotions. And some of that sincerity, maybe people don't think it's worth, it earns it about just some guy who randomly falls in love with a sick, sick girl. Um, but I don't care. I love it. I think every single piece of it works. And the whole soundtrack slaps. And it is now on Broadway. Now on Broadway. And winner of 10 Tony Awards. Yeah. It's, I also agree. It's in my honorable mentions, but it's a fantastic film. It's very, I think we spoke about this when I said it's very energetic. I mean, it's energetic to the nth degree. You take, what is the drink, the green drink, the absinthe, aspartame? I don't know. Maybe it's aspartame. Absinthe. Absinthe. Absence of malice, whatever. But Look, it's fun. It's a fun musical. And I think the reason people don't like it is because it's too zany and they don't get it. And they're so used to like a traditional musical when this has the elements of all traditional musicals, but then amped up to like that, you know, the fun editing of it all, how fast it goes, slow motion, tango de Roxanne. It's so good. I love that. But yeah. I have seen a movie from Zay's List. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, I also really like it. Um, one of two phenomenal Nicole Kidman performances from that year. Um, I thought you were about to say ever, and I was like, Brett. <laughs> oh, no, fr from that year. I, the other one might be my favorite of hers, to be honest. But um, the other one being the AMC ad. Well, that's in another category. Like, you don't, you just can't include that. It's not fair. Um, no, uh, Jim Broadbent is also really great in it too. Um, that he won an Oscar that year for a movie that 
I've heard is really boring and you probably should have one for this, but um, yeah, I, Christian said the word I was going to use energetic. That's the first place I go to describe it. And from start to finish um, never loses any steam. And yeah, this explains why you're so excited for the Elvis movie. That makes a lot of sense. Now, so listen, they said they like m- mashed up Britney's fears in the backstreet boys somewhere in there. Oh I'm my God. Be their opening night. All right, Christian, let's hear your number four. Okay. A movie in which Brett called too long and not enough Nazis. <laughs> it's the sound of music. <laughs> I will defend myself on this one. I watched this one. I did it for you. Thank you. Oh, is nobody going to sing? Hello? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You all were rooting against the Von Traps, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, if you don't know what the sound of music is, you're under a rock. It's the the happiest sound in all the world, as its little tagline here says, whatever. But um, it's Julie Andrews. She's on our list again. I mean, the woman can make a musical, damn it. Um, I, do I even need to give the plot? Anyway, it's you know the plot. It's great. It's fun. It, it goes from like the happy-go-lucky musical to like this wonderful drama to then this escape from Austria because the Nazis are coming. The Nazis are coming, which is another Golden Girls reference <laughs> because Blanche and Rose are going to be in a Sound of Music production and they get stuck in a hurricane in the house when Dorothy's seemingly uh, priest uncle is there and they're dressed in the, the habits and Blanche is like, we're here to collect for needy, sexy people. <laughs> and then also there's the, my, one of my favorite episodes, how do you solve a problem like Sophia? But anyway, I digress. The Sound of Music, it's great. The songs are really fun and fantastic in it. Um, and the opening sequence itself of The Sound of Music is so cliched with her spinning around and then starting to sing, but everything leading up to it and the song itself is really well made, okay? It is a really well-made film. Um, and in 1965, it's the one movie I love the most in 1965. And I mean, yeah, how can you go wrong with The Sound of Music? Um, don't hate me, Christian, but um, I like this movie a good deal, but A, it is too long. You... Mm. B, I don't like some of the songs. Ooh, ooh. Like what? I can't I can't remember. Uh-huh. Like all the ones that come into mind, I do like those songs. So it's you just two, the ones. You two could never last seeing a live musical production. I mean, Brett <laughs> probably could because I know you've seen something, but like I think I could. I've sat through some boring ass drag shows. I could see you both being halfway through something like, I gotta be. Don't no, they have intermi- don't they have intermissions at those or did those go away? Don't. Okay, some of them don't. <laughs> some of them um, <laughs> But I will say, Christopher Plummer's pretty hot in this movie. It took me until three years ago to realize his name, and this is Georg. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember when Carrie Underwood did the live production? I don't remember hearing about it. That was watched, y'all, by 18 million people. (laughs) Shows don't even get that many these 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 days. I hope she got a good paycheck out of that. She was horrible. Well, I'm sure her singing was fine. Oh, mm -mm. 
Interesting. Anyway, Brett, did you like it? Yes. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved it. It's in my honorable mentions. Um, I do enjoy all the songs. And yeah, I, I think it's beautiful. I will say this is the one movie where I'm surprised you actually watched it because you're all like, I'm saving these best pictures, you know, for. Yeah, but this is one. I was like, I'm the only person ever who did not watch this as a kid. So I didn't it was... watch it as a kid. Really? Watch it as a kid. Really? Mm-hmm. Everybody I knew growing up had seen Sound of Music. My mom. I'm as long on Letterbox. My mom was very anti-Catholic, so we didn't watch this. <laughs> because my dad's side of the family is Catholic and she hated them. What is this, Belfast? <laughs> okay, that makes me feel a lot better. It, it, it just seemed like when I was in high school and I would say I haven't seen Sound of Music, I would get so many like, what the fuck? But I was aware of it. I was aware of it, but my I think my first time seeing it is actually logged on Letterbox itself. Yeah. Wow. May th- oh, I'll be damned. May 30th. What's today? May 30th, 2013. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I gave it four and a half stars. And my first sentence, why is it taking me so long to watch this? There you go. I watched it in high school. I think it was like on ABC Family. So it caught like it lasts like five hours after commercials. Oh my God. It's <laughs> yeah. on. I'll watch it though sometimes when it's on. I no. will. <laughs> go for it <laughs> just the no <laughs> um i was also gonna make there's a uh, a horror movie by dario argento called opera and he makes a homage to the sound of music in one of the scenes that is quite good it's very it's it's very picturesque green hills of a girl running away from the murderer um and then is murdered and I think she's murdered in the green. It, it just looks very sound of music. It looks very uh, intentional. And that's all. Sure it is. No, I, I'm sure this has been said a hundred times. Very impressive that Julie Andrews did this and Mary Poppins in consecutive years. And when Christopher Plummer passed away, I did love that everybody was like sharing the, the gif of him tearing up the Nazi flag. That was kind of cool, but I just miss when movies just weren't so political, you know. (laughs) We could just have fun with art. You know, when I was watching Top Gun Maverick the other day, through most of it, I was thinking of you, Zay. Did it make you want to join the uh, Air Force? No. It (laughs) made me think to myself, they're never going to see this, but I can already see if they do. The review on Letterboxd is going to be like, all this and then at the very bottom i liked all the scenes especially the shirtless scenes but see that's the thing i'm like i'm seeing all the people sharing those and that's not even that i don't like very muscular bodies like that so oh, even I then impressed. i wasn't impressed with that scene so even then i'm looking at like all right well good for them i'm not joining the air force that's all <laughs> This episode has so many tangents. <laughs> of course. Expect nothing less. Anyway, that was the sound of music. Number three. Yep. Three? Are we on three? Four. Four. Wait. We're going to number three. I was last to do four. Yeah, oh. that's what I was like. You said that was my number three. 
So just make sure. Okay, uh, number three now. Okay. <laughs> yes, top three. Um, okay, so my number three is the other Disney animated movie that I mentioned. It is The Lion King. Which um, one? Do I even have to say? Come on now. Live action. <laughs> uh, it is also animated, by the way. But uh, the original, the 1994 version. Um, this has always been my favorite non-Pixar Disney movie. Um, and that it's never really been in jeopardy. Um, I, we all know the story. It's Hamlet with animals. But it's just like, it has one of the best opening sequences of all time. Where that music starts, the sun is coming up, they're all waking up. And it's just like that all starts and it comes to that climax into the title. And it's like, you know, you're in for something. Um, and that never gets old. And of course the movie itself is just so much fun. I of course love all the songs. Um, this is one that I have seen live and it is tremendous. Um, like if you ever do get the chance to see this live, like see an actual production of it, it's stunning what they're able to do it's with like these costumes. It is so good. It's it's wild. But um, yeah, it's so heartbreaking. It's like still just ultimate tearjerker. Uh, so many like, su such like a, I don't know. And I know this often comes with, with Disney movies, but it feels like there's just something deeper there. And like this story of redemption and coming to terms with oneself. It's very, just very cool. It's a cool movie. Um, and I've always loved it. So when I finally got, when I finally bought the Blu-ray. It was like to put that in and watch it, and yeah, so good. The Broadway production of this is honestly one of the top tier things I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, I everybody who can afford it sits in the the orchestra section where they actually get to like interact with the animals down below. But mm -hmm. I've sat in the balcony, and in the balcony you can see everything going on. So that's like the superior seats up there. Um, I don't personally, personally, I don't really want to talk about this too in depth because I know what years we're doing this year. Mm. Yeah. True. So I won't, I love the Lion King. I'm not going to speak totally in depth on it though, because I know what's upcoming. That is fair. I also love the Lion King. It was my favorite movie for many years growing up. I still I enjoy it. I have a story that's going to, oh my God, I just realized. I saw, okay, all right, all right, Zay, I saw you're doing Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie, right? Yeah. I owned Crossroads at one point <laughs> on DVD. A classmate of mine owned The Lion King on special edition in the vault DVD. I traded Crossroads for The Lion King. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. And honestly, they got the better deal out of it because Crossroads isn't available anywhere anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is like, I've made a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh. Zay, let's hear your number three. My number three. Well... It sounds like this ding, ding, ding with the trolley. It is Meet Me in St. Louis from 1944, directed by Vincent Minnelli, starring Judy Garland. It's one of those movies I started 
I mean, I started watching for like Christmas because it has the one Christmas song. And they're like, well, I guess I'll just watch it on Christmas from now on. And then I liked it. And then I really liked it. And then I loved it. And now it's just a part of my heart because it's just a very nice family story about the Smith family. Um, and we just watched them. I think it's just like throughout the year. I think it's just one year we watched them like um it's basically basically the children were watching like interact with like new loves growing up interacting with other children interacting with their neighbors it's just a very homey movie it feels like a home and just it's a very warm movie like christian said about mary poppins it's i feel the warmth from me and same movie and it's just yeah it's a comfort film for me at this point i think and like all the songs slap judy met her gay husband vincent um yeah i mean it's just really good if you haven't seen it at this point i don't know what you're doing there's a whole episode about it um this is a film that brett said doesn't have enough dings and not enough planes. <laughs> <laughs> And too, and too many little Christmases. <laughs> she was just handing them out like a hooper that year. She was like, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. You get a Christmas and you get a Christmas. Liza, get them all Christmases. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, I love Meet Me in St. Louis, too. And it's weird. I think we spoke about this, Brett, um, when we talked about it more in depth but it's like a Christmas movie that's not technically a Christmas movie, but because it has that one damn Christmas montage through it, it automatically becomes a movie you watch around that time. So, and it is, like Zay said, it's a warm feeling movie and I love it and it's great. And the trolley song, I'll say it once, I'll say it again, that song goes places. It goes so high, like, girl. Yep, this is in my honorable mentions. Um, yeah, I look when we talked about 1944, this was like by far the technical achievement of that year, but also obviously lots of heart, like you said, Zay, lots of warmth. Songs are great, Judy's great. Uh, Margaret O'Brien, you know, lovely child performance. And um, yeah, I love the uh, the scene at the Christmas Eve ball. I just think it's it's so beautiful how they shot that and like they come around the Christmas tree and all the costumes and yeah, it's great. We should have done a Judy Garland 100th anniversary podcast. But Brett would have had been with so much to catch up. Right. That That's true. That's true. Including, including you Jinx Monsoon. Including Jinx Monsoon as Judy Garland <laughs> and honestly one of the greatest things I've ever seen. That's more Drag Race reference for you. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask. Oh. <laughs> Christian, what's your number three? My number three is a tie. We're finally th- to this part. It is West Side Stories. Yes, both the 1961 and the 2021 productions. I think that they're both great films. They're pretty much on the same level with me in their own very unique, distinct way. Um, their prose 
are even, their cons are even with one another. I think that they're fantastic. With the 2021 especially, it's a film that was not needed at all. I said, why are we having this? This is probably not going to be good. And when it was over, I was speechless and told myself, I can't believe this son of a bitch did it. Like, <laughs> Steven Spielberg fucking did it. And with the 1961 version, um, Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins created what is probably one of the best, I don't know, at that time, I guess you would call it gritty, New York City gang rivalry, song and dance musicals, love stories you could ever imagine. I mean, they're both, like I said, they're both on the same playing field with me. If West Side Story would have won Best Picture last year, it would have been very difficult to rank these both. They would have been next to each other in some capacity or another. But, and in this, I told myself, I can't outrank one or the other because I felt the same about both of them. And I still do. I feel like over time, I would probably watch the new one more. Um, but I mean, if saying like, oh, which one would you want to watch? I don't know if I could pick just off the top of my head. Because if I were to see like the 1961 on, I'd be like, I'm watching this. And the new one, I'm watching this too. So they're both beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. This is my number six. There's, I, yeah, I, I couldn't separate them. Um, I kind of like how you said you watched, you might end up watching the 2021 more. I low key probably prefer the 2021 version ever so slightly, but it's so close that I can't just like definitively say, oh, this one's way better or something like that. Um, I think it definitely corrected some things about the 1961 version, but I think that something that stuck out to me since it came out is that visually they are really different. Um, I feel like that the 1961 works with like colors a lot more, especially like red. <laughs> and it's a lot more distinctive in that way. Um, and the, the 2021 version is a lot more like shadows and, and things like that. And I respect that a lot. Um, I mean, I already respected the film a lot, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, they're, they're just different enough that like you could watch both of them and get different things out of each of them. But like you said, the quality is like pretty much equal or close to it. Um, and that they were able to like cast so many people in the new one who like lived up to those roles, except for one, of course, glaring uh, example. But um so good it's it's so tragic but like you love watching it so yeah were you talking about Ansel Ansel actually no yes I was talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that that is the greatest sense of irony to me that they just they 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 got the casting right except for one little one, one little stain couldn't quite get that one out um but yeah i agree with everything i haven't seen the original in quite a while um but i i do know i love it and i did love the remake as well um i don't think it i mean we talked about it in the 2021 podcast it didn't quite reach there but it was still in my number of honorable mentions and they are also in my honorable mentions now so good musical all around perfect all right zay let's hear your oh wait no gosh it's me sorry 
Uh, moving on to the top two. My number two is another one we've talked about. Um, probably shouldn't be too much of a surprise from 1964. It is the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacques Demy, French film. Um, one that, you know, as we've talked about, it is the entire thing, the dialogue, everything is is sung. Um, at first watch, it, it took, you know, f- about five to ten minutes to get used to. But once it does, it's just so beautiful um i love the production design and the colors and it's some some of my favorite production design ever honestly um it's up there um it's one of my favorite movies about love i think um because the the two characters their love story is very it's so picturesque at first but then it becomes very complicated and by the end when they meet up again it's just, it's, it's really profound to me about to think about what they feel for each other at that moment versus what they did before, what's changed, what's hasn't, and what's still not being said. Um, which is interesting because a lot is said in the movie, but it's another one of those that is like the story itself is pretty tragic at times. It can be kind of sad, but it's so beautiful and so well-directed and the music is so nice that it's still a pleasure to watch. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it's like 90 minutes too. So yeah, 91 minutes. So it's pretty short as well, but yeah, love it. I have loved it since I first saw it. Um, it's another one that I think La La Land was compared to endlessly. Um, but yeah, I just think it's terrific. It's a masterpiece. What if at your wedding, I sang the entirety of this film? (laughs) I'd be down for it. In frame, yep. I I would love to see that. I would I would pay money. <laughs> um, this is also a film I really love. I was thinking about putting it in my top ten, but then I was like, no, Brett's gonna bring it up, so I might as well just put in something else that I would like to talk about. So I'm glad. I mean, obviously you were. So yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. It's. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's one of those movies where you watch it and then you say, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. I love it too. Go listen to the episode. Yeah. There you go. All right, Zay, let's hear your number two. My number two is probably the most depressing film on any list of all. Home on the Range? <laughs> Not Home on the Range! It is from the year 2000. It is Dancer in the Dark. Yes. Oh. Yes. I was hoping someone would say this one. Because I knew Brett had recently seen this and he gave it the correct score. Um, So we don't have to mark him for that one. But yes, it is a film by Lars von Trier starring Bjork in one of her very few roles because after this movie and how the director treated her, she was like, I don't want to act anymore. So that's not great. Um, But it's about a woman who works in a factory. She's trying to make money for her and her son to survive, but she has this ailment, like a genetic thing that she's going blind and her son has the same thing and she doesn't want him to have it. So she needs to make a lot of money in order for him to have this operation. Um, And things don't go quite as well as you would want them to. 
Um, the music is amazing. So many like, like the, the factory noises are used to compose um, one of the songs and it's so good because it's kind of her fantasizing about being in a musical um, while she's living in actual hell. And Bjork gives yet another one of my favorite performances of all time in this movie. Um, and we have also got Catherine Deneuve, um, along with a bunch of other people. Um, not a whole, well, Joel Gray is also, we got him. Um, and Udo Kier. I'm trying to pick out the names that I recognize. But um, it's just very, it's not a movie to watch on your most sad day. <laughs> Unless that's how you can start. That's how I, I shouldn't say that because that's what I do. When I'm feeling down and depressed, this is the shit I'm going to watch. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very, very bleak. But so much thought and craft went into her performance, her music. I don't know how she was snubbed from the Oscars for song and acting. Did she get song? I don't think so. So she was just at the Oscars wearing her swan dress saying, well, I got nothing, so I'm going to come in my swan dress. Good for her. She deserved it. Um, so yeah, great, great movie. I rewatched it like maybe six months ago and I just realized, I was like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies. I, it's just stuck with me. Sorry, she did get song. Uh, I've seen okay, it all got nominated. So Okay. Yeah. But she also deserved actress, if not the win. Don't remember yes. who else was nominated. Well, I guess fuck Julia Roberts drag. Oh, yeah, that's fine then. No, no. <laughs> Ellen Burson's the one that everybody talks about from that year, I feel like. Yes, but have you seen Aaron Brockovich? I, I have not seen Aaron Brockovich. You? Then why are you talking? I listened to a podcast where the real Aaron Brockovich talked on it. Oh, <laughs> I, I will say, also... I mean, I saw Aaron Brockovich a long time ago, but also not seeing the knobs, I find it hard to believe because I finished this movie and I didn't even have to think about it. I was like, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen in a movie. Like, she's that good. Um, yeah, I this was almost my number 10. So very high on my honorable mentions. I think I gave it four and a half stars after I watched it. It's one that's really sat with me, so it may end up getting bumped up to five. Um, it's so brilliant. Bjork is amazing. I just like it's such a bleak movie, but like the way she's able to find beauty in such a bleak world in her own way is so like so interesting and fascinating. And um, similar to all that jazz, the last shot of this movie is like never gonna leave your mind ever. Um, yeah, one of the saddest movies I've ever seen, but very much worth it. I have never, I've seen it before. Um, I don't remember it, so I'm hoping to see it again. The only thing I can tell you, though, is that at last time when I saw this, I gave it a four and a half stars, and I said I really, really loved it. I don't want to go back and watch it and then not like it again, because sometimes that will happen with me. But I remember really liking it. And even my review said, like, I was so emotional watching it. I cr evidently cried at the end of it. 
So, but I did, I did see it once and it's on Canopy. So maybe I'll give it a try mm-hmm. again. Also go watch Bjork and the Northman. I mean, she's finally another movie. So it's a blink and you'll miss it, but well, you won't hey. miss it. But oh, no, you know no. what you won't miss? You won't miss Katya's snatch game performance as Bjork. <laughs> I wish Bjork did like a guest spot on the Golden Girls, like not the same timeline, but I wish I she wish could have been a cousin. Out. She could have been a cousin of Rose's. Oh, absolutely! All right, Christian, you're number two. My number two is a movie in which Brett said there was too much shy and not enough cuckoo. It's no. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My number two is Chicago. The um, so if the producers was like the first musical where I really like uh memorized words and lyrics and dialogue, Chicago would have been the second, I believe, where I memorized words and dialogue and the adult content of it all. I mean, it's PG thirteen movie, whatever. Um, but I really love it, and I mean, you two know how much I love it. Uh, we have a whole episode about it, but it is one that means a lot to me. I just, I've seen the stage production and I think the film is so superior in every sense of the word. It's fun. It's really beautiful to look at. Um, The cast is stacked, although some of us would disagree as of recently, looking at you, purple hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I, I think it's, I think it's top tier musicals of all time. So there you go. I recently watched it. I think I watched it last week. You um, watched it like three days ago. Well, whatever. I don't, I don't, I can't keep up. Um, I really like it. It's good. I don't like Richard Gere in it. I said what I said. Um, he's not a dancer. Anyway. Did he learned the tap dance all by himself. Did he? He did. He does have... Not that the Golden Globes matter anymore, but he does have Adam Sandler's Golden Globe. So, so there you go. <laughs> I don't think the Golden Globes ever mattered. Let's that, that's let, true. That's true. They never mattered. Maybe, maybe back in the day, but in our lifetimes, absolutely not. But could you imagine Adam Sandler winning a Golden Globe in 2002? That would have been something else. Sorry. Sidetrack. But Yeah. So what you're saying is you would have preferred Adam Sandler and Richard Gere's role in Chicago, is what you're saying. I can't do an Adam Sandler impersonation, but I will. <laughs> Go watch Punch Drunk Love, everybody. He's great in it. Um, no, yeah, I also love Chicago. Um, I was so scared watching this movie because... Because you I knew, knew I knew where you lived. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No other comments needed in that regard, but... No, yeah, I, I did end up loving it. Um, Renee Zellweger should have won her Oscar for this, I think. Um, and obviously, Catherine the jones won as well. Very deserving. They're both fantastic in it. And it's vibrant and very alive and deserved to win Best Picture that year. So it's in my honorable mentions. All right. We have reached number one. My number one, um, I think think might be the ones they referenced earlier it's very ubiquitous but we'll see home on the rain yes (laughs) we've been beating around the bush the whole time let's just get it over with and say it 
No. Uh, it is the Wizard of Oz. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, once you said oh, your number two was Chicago, I was like, huh. <laughs> I'm so, look. What? How, how much did you prepare for this? I don't know how much. <laughs> wow. Oh. Oh my god. No. You mm. <laughs> Is it the one you were referencing, Zay? That was well, I realize there's a third one actually, but okay. yes, that was the okay. one I was referencing earlier. Okay. Do we need a moment? <laughs> do, do we do we need to come back to you? <laughs> no. It's too late now. <laughs> well, you know, we were all three on the 1939 episode. We talked about it. It was a very easy, unanimous decision that this was the best of that year. It's one of the best of all time. It's in my top five of all time. As much as I love the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, this was always going to be number one. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else I could say that that hasn't been said and that we haven't said about this movie. Um, like Singing in the Rain and, and La La Land, it's one of those like if you need a movie to make you feel happy, this is one that I go to. Um, it's, it, it's one of those that epitomizes classical Hollywood for me. Um, so just love it. it. It's beautiful, colorful, everything you could want. Over the Rainbow is one of the best songs ever in a movie, obviously, um, on top of other great songs. And so, yeah, it was always going to be Wizard of Oz. What was over that rainbow, Judy? <laughs> well, you what? see, well, broom, it was a set. <laughs> it wasn't real. <laughs> it was made out of cardboard. Um, I'm mad now because, look, I, I went off some sort of letterboxed tangent where I was looking up song and dance musicals and everything that I said came up, but this was not listed. So as we all know, my favorite film of all time. So this is, you know what? Fuck it. This is my number one. Okay. We'll come back to your one B. We'll come back to your one I, B. I have my one and a half. <laughs> okay. I have a one and a half. So this is my number one. I've seen it four times in theaters. Hopefully want to make it five in the upcoming weeks when they show it again. Probably not going to happen just because of various um, logistical reasons. But I mean, if you have a chance to see this in a theater, by all means do it. It's great. It's the film to end all films. Okay, there you go. It's my number one. Yeah, I'm, I'm also there. It's also one of my all time favorite movies. It's, I don't know, I just didn't include it because I'm like, we've talked about it on the podcast. So I'm like, I don't, you know. That's fair. It's a film Brett said, there's too much color and not enough sepia. Too much munchkins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zay, let's hear your number one. My number one. Well, you know what they say. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Really? I, my number one is Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I'm shook. Why? I thought it would have been Rocky Horror. Yeah, me See? too. Yeah. Nope. See, that's the other one where I'm like, that's too ubiquitous. And I've brought it up on the podcast before. That's true. So, and you guys, did you guys talk about it in your 19th century? That one was so long ago. We, we didn't did, do but... depth, though. 
Yeah, not in depth, but not in depth. But still, I when we did the horror movies like two or three years ago, I mentioned mm-hmm. it there. So I was like, mm, it can stay off this list. Um, so yes, gentlemen prefer blondes. Um, it's just it's a slick 90 minute, 91 minutes. It's in, it's out, but the whole it's just using every bit of airtime to give us glamour, to give us femininity. It gives us, it's just Jane Russell and Marilyn Monroe are just two lasses looking for love, maybe some cash on the side. And I think it's, at least on the, because, you know, I Marilyn Monroe is one of the first like big icons of old Hollywood I latched onto. So this is one of the first older movies I saw in high school. And um, so I've seen this movie like probably 10 times at this point. And uh, to like study how Marilyn Monroe uses her body to not only for the sexiness, because that is important, but also as a comedy star in this, because she's very funny. And of course, Jane Russell is also like, matching her toe for toe they are a perfect duo in this i wish that we had at least one other thing they did together again but we do not but i just think it's great i think i see a lot like videos going around from this movie is still endlessly quotable almost all of it has aged well i can't think of anything too much that hasn't um it's just it's also like really well like good color in it great costumes i mean iconic costumes in this and of course the diamonds are a girl's best friend that has been referenced endlessly even in this own uh list that i have because it was a moulin rouge mm. um so yeah i don't it's just this is also a good comfort film to me if i'm ever feeling a type of way i just need to put this on and i feel great because it's just funny fast light the music's great i mean the scene where jane russell has like near naked men just all around her that is camp that is gay culture and it all takes place on a boat that's all it's just a giant boat i don't understand how the whole thing takes place on a boat but it does I, I've never been on a boat so anytime a boat comes into play I'm like I don't know how big a boat is I think I scored if I remember correctly I think I scored a 30% on your list so, you haven't seen this? nope oh my god Brett. <laughs> I do apologize is this the worst one we've done of these that you've only come up with 3 out of 10? If we had done a full 10 for your top new watches of 2021, that probably would have been worse, but we only did five. So yeah, this is, yeah, this is probably the worst, Mm. which I did not expect, but. Well, now you got homework. Yep. I would like like to share. Hello, it's me, Carol Channing. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the original production of Gentlemen Prefer Blige, but similar to my success with the Hello Dolly film, I was shafted by that blonde girl, Marilyn Monroe. 
So do with that as you will. And unlike Brett, I've seen Gentleman for Blonde, and I liked it. So that was okay. eerily like <laughs> I felt like the spirit of Carol Channing was with us. <laughs> we have a lot of a uh, celebrity death guest stars on. Yeah, this. no kidding. <laughs> All right, Christian, what is your one and a half? My one and a half. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's singing in the rain. I mean, oh, yeah, that's right. I, yeah. God bless, God bless <laughs> us, everyone. Um, no, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's actually one of the first, other than The Wizard of Oz, it's one of the first older films that I really super, super got into because my fourth grade teacher on showed us old movies and i think i've spoken about that many a time but this is one of them and it's the one that obviously i clicked with because i mean it's singing in the rain it's fun it's colorful it's it's joyful as fuck um that's a weird way to describe it but um i don't know everything about it is perfect and i think if you look at my like personal best wins list because <laughs> I extensively work on that thing. It has like the most wins with like 15 or so, like personal things. So yeah, I don't know. I love it. And I knew it was on Brett's list, but this is my one and a half until I can figure things out. There you go. Yeah, it was uh, number four on my list. Um, And yeah, it's just a common theme with this list. I think we've all three mentions comfort films. Um, this is obviously one of them. I watched it on New Year's Day 2021. Just I chose it as the first film to watch for that year uh, just because I felt like I needed the comfort movie and it was obviously up to the task. Um, I think part of the reason I like it, and I think part of the reason it's so revered in the film world, in addition to just being obviously fantastic, is it's so much about a specific period of film history, too. Um, I remember, like, the first scene I watched from this movie was not, like, about the movie as a musical. It was, like, the scene where the dialogue isn't syncing up, and they're trying to work out the sound, because that was, like, the instructor's way of showing us, like, this is some of the issues they faced in the beginning of the sound era. Um, so I think as a film lover, you know, for me personally, and I'm sure for many, that, that's part of the reason that I hold this film in such high regard. Um, it's kind of nice in that way. So yeah, it's obviously terrific. The first time I knew about this movie was The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yes. Well, they Was it the High School Musical episode? Maybe. It was what they, they were putting on a musical or whatever, and London got the starring role but she couldn't sing and so they got maddie and they were gonna they we're gonna sing oh. in the rain this and then yeah that's when i was like what is this and i it took me like a couple years to like put one and two together but yeah um but yeah i love singing in the rain if it was on my top 10 it'd probably be number two with wizard of oz and number three and everything else shoved further back um but yeah i mean it's it, it's great it, everyone thinks it's great to the state for a reason. Yeah. All right. Well, there it is. Um, can I can I do the honorable mention? Yes. Yes. Take it away. Okay. So do you, you dishonor- do you want me to do dishonorable first or honorable? 
dishonorable. Okay, I have these broken up into four categories, everybody. So, oh my god, I, I love the movie music. Can I can I request one thing? Can we like get through these like bullet points? Oh yes, because I have work in the morning. <laughs> I feel that. Yes. Okay, here we go. It's stop me though if you have a strong opinion on it. <laughs> my dishonorable mentions are cats. I mean, you know. Um, a chorus line, nothing like the Broadway production. It's shit. It needs to be remade. Dear Evan Hansen, Grease. Okay, cool. Okay. I loved it in high school, but looking back, yeah, it, it's not that great. So. Yeah. The Greatest Showman, Waste of Time, Jersey Boys, terrible, terrible. The Phantom of the Opera, it's not good. Rent, hate it, get a job, and Gigi. But we'll probably cover Gigi more in depth. Okay. Oh. Honorable mentions categorized by animated films. There's not many, but a goofy movie, The Prince of Egypt, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Lion King. Good shit. Okay. Filmed live on stage production because Christian watches a lot of these. He begs Brett. He begs Brett to watch these and Brett never comes through. So here we go. (laughs) On Apple TV, Come From Away. Company, specifically the 2007 version. Elaine Stritch, Live at Liberty. Zay, you need to be watching that one. The I'd Phantom- listen to it. Okay, that counts. The Phantom of the Opera at the Royal Albert Hall. Beautiful production. In fact, if we're doing 2011, I'm not going to say anything, but there's a hint. Sunday in the Park with George. Beautiful production. Billy Elliot, the musical. Little Tom Holland is somewhere in the background. Falsettos, gay. Hamilton, great. Into the Woods, the original Broadway production, great. The King and I, 2015 revival. Beautiful. Kinky Boots, Zay, I begged you, you did nothing. Les Mis, 25th anniversary concert edition. The only Les Mis I acknowledge. Miss Saigon can be found somewhere on Broadway, hd.com. It's so good. Um, nonsense, a Rue McClanahan situation, which Zay, you may have seen before. I think you can find it on YouTube, but it's funny. I, don't know if I saw the first one. I did see the Christmas one, though. She's also in that. Rent filmed live on Broadway. I don't want them to get jobs. Let them live their lives. Movie version, get a fucking job. She loves me. One best scenic design against Hamilton. Deserved it. Uh, Shrek the musical, actually really good. The SpongeBob SquarePants musical. Phenomenal. Sweeney Todd in concert, specifically with Patti Lapone. It's great. And then to any Broadway bootleg out there, I know you're illegal, but God bless you for making me me. Now, honorable mentions for movies. We're going to breeze through these. 1776, a film in which I will even agree is too fucking long, but the song slap. <laughs> Annie, both the Carol Burnett version and the Kathy Bates version, not the Cameron Diaz version. They all suck. What? Who said that? What the f- <laughs> I grew up with the Kathy Bates version. The best little whorehouse in Texas. I'm well, ashamed to say I haven't seen it. Wow. In my honorable mentions. But Hard Candy Christmas is like one of my favorite Christmas songs, so it's a little it sad is. that I haven't seen it. It's not even a Christmas song. I'm considering this one. Bo Burnham, Inside. I was going to put it on my list and I decided, I don't know why I decided not to, but yeah, it'd be on my list as well. One that has to be in both your honorable mentions, Cabin in the Sky. Yes. Yes. Okay. Carousel, decent film, Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney Houston. Thank you. I've seen Brett up there. I watched it when I was younger. I don't, yeah. Dream Girls. I have not seen it in a long time. It's grown on me, hairspray. Absolutely. And I, I, love to, to, I love to see it's grown on you. 
I have surprised it wasn't on your list. Hairspray Live. Only because I get to see Harvey Firestein in it. That's true. Head, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. That's on my honorable. Same. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Movie not a lot of people like, but Barbara Streisand's actually really good in it. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. In the Heights, we talked about the Into the Woods film adaptation. It had grown on me. I really like it. Liza with a Z. Also a movie that's also grown on me. Mamma Mia. Only Mamma Mia 1. I have not rewatched Mamma Mia 2 to talk about it more in depth. And I'll have you know, I have seen Mamma Mia live. So. <laughs> Is that it? Um, I also saw the musical version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But that one wasn't very good because I kind of fell asleep. <laughs> it was Maybe. boring. Mimi and St. Louis, which we've already talked about. The Music Man, which Brett and I have covered. My Fair Lady. I mean, I, Oliver. I oh, love yeah. Oliver. I love Oliver. My future child is being named Oliver. Because Underrated. Of little, because of this little orphan. Okay. A movie called The Pajama Game, which nobody's ever heard of. Phantom of the Paradise. That one's for Maddie. I don't remember it as well enough, but it was good when I watched it. Reefer Madness, the movie musical. A movie I beg you two to watch every single year. I've yet, seen it. Oh, it's me again. <laughs> I watched it like way back in like 2015, 16. It's enjoyable. The Rocky Horror Picture Show, which we talked about. The 1954 and 2018 productions of A Star is Born Only. Sweet Charity. If you want a good Shirley MacLaine movie, there you go. Tommy, based on the Who's Tommy. It's semi-grown on me. I think I need to watch it again, but the songs slap. Victor Victoria, a film I beg you to watch. I know, Zay, you've seen it. This is not for you. <laughs> it, was, it was on my short list. It was. The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which Brett covered, and The Wiz, very underrated film, and the Golden Girls episode of Henny Penny Straight No Chaser, in which they do the performance of Henny Penny, where help, the sky is falling. And that is it. All right. My honorable mentions that were not brought up during the episode or during Christian's honorable mentions. Um, two very special Looney Tunes, uh, What's Opera Doc and The Rabbit of Seville. Both incredible. Um, I'm surprised not a single Muppet was mentioned. Oh, the original Muppet mm. movie and the Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, all the Muppets oh. generally have great soundtracks, but for Maybe those two, <laughs> um, Scene Call Street, me. I love Scene Street, uh, Cabaret, which is mentioned oh. here. Shit, I forgot. I have two down here. Cabaret, yes, and Funny Girl. Sorry, <laughs> I wonder where that one was. Pennies from Heaven, Easter Parade with Judy Garland, uh, John Waters' Cry Baby. Is that uh, a musical? Yeah. I didn't know that. And they turned it into a stage musical with different I knew, songs. I knew that. I do listen to that often. It's pretty good. Um, also, Phantom of the Paradise. And lastly, Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn. Ah, yes. Think Pink. I think I, I have a full list, but I only have two that haven't been mentioned yet, either in the lists or in your honorable mentions. Uh, one is a hard day's night, the Beatles. I know Christian's not a big fan, but I love that movie. Um, and hot take. I love Tim Burton, Sweeney Todd. 
Demon Barber Fleet Street. I just eat it up. So, yeah, those are the only other two I had. If you want the superior Sweeney Todd, watch the Broadway filmed production with Angela Lansbury. I actually have seen a live production of Sweeney Todd. Um, obviously not Broadway, but it was very good. So I watched that one. With Angela? Yeah, because you told me to. If you also want to see a good production of Sweeney Todd, you put me in front of you and I can do the entirety by myself, every single character. That does not surprise me. All right. Well, yes, if, if you're listening and you have not seen many musicals, these two have listed off a bunch for you to see and for me to see as well. So, but uh, yeah, that was our top 10. This is a lot of fun. I love these countdown episodes that we do sometimes. It's a nice break in between doing which picture was best. Um, so yeah, thanks for doing this. Zay, thanks for coming on. Any final thoughts from you? We need we need more musicals, but like less Dear Evan Hansen's, less The Greatest Showman, like mm. good musicals. Agreed. That's all. And bring back Technicolor. We need Technicolor. Yes. Christian, how about you? I don't know if there's any big musical movie coming out this year, but next year we get The Color Purple, mm-hmm. which is going to be like it. And then we get part one of Wicked, which don't get me started on that, but <laughs> I will be drifting towards the color purple for next year. Yeah, that's exciting. And yes, we need more musicals. There, I'll say it. Also, we know what we need. We need more on-Broadway filmed productions because think of the revenue Broadway could have brought in during the pandemic because they have pro shots for every single thing. Fun fact, they're at the New York Public Library. They could have just released it. They would have made money. People would have still wanted to go see it when everything opened. I agree with that. Even though I am bad about watching them when Christian tells me to, very few people can go to Broadway in their lives. So make those more available. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to keep an eye out for the start of our next season of Which Picture Was Best. Um, We'll be back soon with the years 1931 and 32. So we're going way back for that one. And be sure to tune in then. Bye.